Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what we needed when the sun shone down on the Garden of Eden. Hey, everybody, this is Harvey Sluggo Washington back for our 132nd, I think, uh, Zoom call on the Green Grassroots Emergency Election Protection Coalition. Um, uh, we have Wendy Lederman with us, one of our co-hosts, Mike Hirsch, Myra Reeson, uh, and uh, Steve Caruso is our lead engineer for starters. We have a packed agenda, as always, and we have 26 people with us to start. Um, we're going to start with a brief uh, message. I'm just going to talk very briefly about Donald Trump, but uh, unlike every other newscast in the country, we're going to go straight to Wisconsin. And we have uh, some very, very important people with us. Andrea Miller from the Center for Common Ground, Norm Stockwell from the Progressive, and Tom Nelson from the um, uh, hardcore there in Wisconsin. We're then going to be joined uh, by a friend of mine, David Saltman, who has a an amazing career in in the mass media. And we're going to want to discuss very briefly, but we will discuss it on later calls, um, uh, who the Democrats could nominate. And uh, David's just entering the room here. I'll get him in here. Um, who the do the de Democrats could nominate that would be most likely to win. And uh, we'll come to back, back to that in a minute. Um, we want, uh, we're going to be joined by Brent Tannehill, who's going to be talking about, uh, as she did last week, uh, about issues having to do with trans people. And I want to point out as someone who can actually recite the Second Amendment from heart, <laughs> you can't beat this. All these gun control, all these gun lovers, uh, now actually want to ban a group of people from owning guns in America. They actually want to ban a group of people. And those of you who can guess what group it is will come to you uh, very quickly. Um, there, there is also talk out there about a progressive agenda that we want to briefly touch on. There have been some posts. Hi, Bryn. We just talked about you. You're going to tell us the mystery group that the, all the Second Amendment people now want to ban from owning guns. Um, there is a progressive out there uh, agenda out there uh, that we want to briefly touch on. And then in the second hour, which we usually do for environmental stuff, uh, we want to uh, discuss in detail with uh, the, the, the uh, uh, great activist Linda Gunter um, uh, about uh, Germany. Uh, as of, uh, uh, Germany has uh, announced that officially as of April 15th, they will be shutting their last reactors, which means that the fourth largest economy in the world will um, be out of the nuclear business, uh, which we hope to make the fifth hap happen very quickly in the fifth largest economy in the world, uh, which is um, uh, California. So uh, there we go. We also have a, a, a repeat from last week. Wendy, what is the name of the group that we're, we're going to have in with, uh, with us that was with us last week? Thank you. And sorry, I'm see I'm a little dark here. I'm trying to fix that. Um, it's a uh, living earth movement and Ignacio Castuera just got here. So welcome to him. We'll be hearing from them in the second hour. And they're about diplomacy um, for the sake of, of climate change and survival and how we need to get together as a planet. So thank you. Appreciate okay, it. thank you, Wendy. And uh, you look a little dark. Did you get sunburned at the beach or something? All right. So um, uh, let's do this now. The number one, um, uh, you know, the whole, <laughs> I got to tell you, you know, all the networks, every one of the networks that I was watching this morning <laughs> followed Trump's cavalcade from Mar-a-Lago to the West Palm Beach airport. So I watched the plane take off. <laughs> I mean, it was really mind-boggling. It was like he was being inaugurated, but here he essentially being defenestrated. Uh, Fox was ranting and raving about what a what a travesty it is. MSNBC was jumping up and down with excitement. CNN was somewhere in the middle. Really a pageant uh, uh, to to watch the coverage, but saturation coverage of Donald. He had like eight. I, th I think he had ten limousines drive to the West Palm Beach Airport. He got on a big private plane that said Trump on it, which is as big as any 
airliner I've seen. We watched it take off. I mean, come on. This is really mind-boggling. <laughs> so what can I tell you? Um, uh, but we're going to start with what's really important, which, which is Wisconsin. We, we are honored to have uh, the great Andrea Miller with us from the Center for Common Ground, um, the centerforcommonground.org, uh, which is doing coordinating phone canvassing um, into the state of Wisconsin. We're then going to go to Norm Stockwell, the uh, publisher of Wisconsin's um, um, most uh, important publication, Progressive Magazine and Progressive.org. And Tom Nelson will join us uh, from the grassroots in Wisconsin. And uh, I don't think, I think I can very briefly, I'm sure most of you know, there is a Supreme Court race uh, for the state Supreme Court. The court now is divided three to three between MAGA Republicans and uh, uh, somewhat progressive people. And uh, Jane Prostanowitz, did I get it? No, oh, but that's uh, close enough. Uh, well, it, it, we know it's not Antenta Kupo. So, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, she, Janet. Rodas Awich. Rodas Awich. She's being called generally as Judge Janet. Judge Janet. Judge yes. Janet. And there are reasons for that. Yes. So she <laughs> is running from the left, and a guy named Riley is running from the right. Dan Kelly. Kelly, my God, Dan Kelly uh, is running from the right. Welcome, Dennis. Glad Kelly. you're not writing my scripts. <laughs> <laughs> right, and um, um, uh, the the ba the balance of power in Wisconsin uh, is at stake, and it actually this uh, um, Supreme Court race, state Supreme Court race, could decide the presidential election in in 2024 very easily, because Wisconsin is a swing state. If the Republicans control the uh, a state Supreme Court, they will vastly fewer people of color and youth will have their votes counted in 24. There's no doubt about that. And it, we're also talking about at least two uh, seats in the US Congress. Wisconsin has eight congressional seats. The state is evenly divided, but the Republicans have six of the eight uh, congressional seats and, and the Democrats just get two. We, we have very little doubt that if there were fair districts in Wisconsin, which the, a, a remade Supreme Court could do, at least it would be four to four. So there are two congressional seats at stake. And I, of course, the, uh, the question of women's rights and, and a whole lot more in Wisconsin. So uh, at this point in time, Andrea Miller is coordinating people calling in from all over the country to um, uh, remind people that there is a race the final day for voting is tomorrow. And um, uh, there are groups in Wisconsin that are providing um, transportation to the polls. Yeah. So Andrea, with that, and then Norm, and then Tom, uh, please go ahead. Andrew Miller. Well, well, thank you very much, Harvey. I'm gonna make this quick because you guys have a lot of business tonight. We are calling the black voters in Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin is 92% white. So that means 8% of the population is not white. So we are calling the Black and the Hispanic voters for the very simple reason that the party is not calling them at all. Most of the groups that are making calls to Wisconsin are calling, utilizing the phone bank set up by the Democratic Party of Wisconsin. They are calling Democratic and Democratic-leaning consistent voters. Now, when we look at Black voters and Hispanic voters, they are a not consistent voters, and a lot of that is voter suppression, and B, many of them are not registered as Democrats. So that means nobody is calling them. So at this point, yes, our phone banks are on our website, centerforcommonground.org slash phone banks. And we use a system called PDI. You will love it. The entire system is branched. So when you talk to a voter and you ask, um, well, now, you know, 
does it has the voter voted and do they want to vote on election day? We have an election day script. If the voters, as they've already voted, we've got a script for that. Now, so far, as of yesterday or as of Saturday, that was the last day of early voting, roughly 380,000 people 380,886 people in Wisconsin have already early voted. We concentrated on Black voters in Milwaukee, and we are delighted to say that 8,365 have already shown up to either early vote or vote by mail. So this is about 10% of the registered Black voters in Milwaukee. And um, Ed Spendell made a point of bragging last year that they were able to successfully disenfranchise 37,000 Black and Brown voters in the city of Milwaukee. When we talk about voter suppression, the great state of Georgia has drop boxes. The great state of Wisconsin does not have drop boxes. In the great state of Georgia, anybody can drop off a vote by mail ballot or any other person. That is not true in Wisconsin. Each voter must drop off their own ballot. So we've been telling people where maybe there are disabled people who live in their households, call the county clerk, let them know that you have a disabled person in your household and you will be dropping off their ballot and get them to make a note of it. You don't want to go down with that ballot and have them refuse to accept it. So thank you, Harvey. So again, our phone banks, centerforcommonground.org slash phone banks. There will be a phone bank running tonight starting at 6.30 Eastern, and we will be running a phone bank tomorrow at noon, looking to get the last possible voters out and getting them to vote. Fantastic. I want to point out that quote you gave was from a uh, a, a member of the Wisconsin election board, a Republican, who bragged about suppressing enough votes in the uh, 22 election to have flipped the U.S. Senate seat. Yeah. Uh, because uh, we had a MAGA Republican. Uh, we are nonpartisan here, but this guy's one of the worst human beings to ever walk the face of the earth, Ron Johnson. And he should have been easily defeated by Mandela Barnes, but they, the Republicans, very proudly suppress the vote. And this is the kind of thing that's at stake in this um, uh, Supreme Court race. Someone uh, texted Andrea that the link on the um, um, uh, Center for Common Ground phone banks may be having problems if you want to double check, but the, uh, the phone bank for the Center for Common Ground is in the chat, the link. And uh, if you can hang on, Andrea, uh, let's let me nope. Uh, I just tested it. Works just fine. Okay, wonderful. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, if yeah. you got a, a couple of minutes to hang on for the great Norm Stockwell. Um, yeah. Norm, how long have you been uh, publisher of the uh, Progressive now? So I've been publisher at the Progressive for uh, about seven years now. Uh, before that, I worked in community radio here in the state of Wisconsin for uh, more than 30. And uh, so, Harvey, uh, you and I know each other wearing a couple of different hats. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that it can't be understated how important this race is. And we've seen a lot of national media attention in the last couple of days. The New York Times uh, uh, several weeks ago dubbed it as the most important race of the 2023 electoral year. 
and a very fine piece in the New Yorker magazine by Dan Kaufman uh, last week. There um, was also a piece uh, just yesterday by uh, Heather Cox Richardson. And uh, in our own magazine, The Progressive, we've been covering this uh, most recently. Ruth Conniff had a very fine piece in our uh, current issue of the magazine that's just come out. But you know, the, the issues in this race go far beyond the state of Wisconsin. And um, he touched on that a little bit. But just to just to reiterate, the redistricting that took place in this state following the 2010 census uh, made the state uh, imbalanced politically, made the state legislature imbalanced, but it also makes the congressional seats imbalanced. And then uh, those uh, maps were again redrawn following the 2020 census and made worse. And that was because of a decision that took place in the Wisconsin Supreme Court. If the court uh, changes in its uh, ideological balance, that is, if we, uh, if we change from a um, uh, conservative to a liberal, as they say, majority in the, in the court, then very likely there will be a challenge to the gerrymandering here in the state that will be brought to the Supreme Court. And if they rule that those maps are unfair, it means we could see a change not only in the legislative districts within the state, but also in the congressional seats, which could affect control of the U.S. House of Representatives, potentially. Similarly, in 2020, Wisconsin Supreme Court heard a challenge to the voting in Madison and or in Dane County and in Milwaukee County. And, uh, you know, as uh, as we just heard, the percentages of voters of color statewide are fairly small, but in Milwaukee County and in Dane County, they're much higher. And so those votes were being challenged by the Trump campaign. The Supreme Court decided by only one vote to not accept that challenge. And that decision was a procedural decision. It wasn't really about the merits of the case. So again, if a case like that were to come to the Wisconsin Supreme Court in 2024, the balance, the ideological balance of the uh, justices on that court is going to make a huge difference, possibly in the outcome of the 2024 presidential election. So these are no small stakes. Um, in addition to that, uh, another a case that will almost certainly come before the court um, in the very near future is Wisconsin's 1849 prohibition on abortion. Uh, as, as many have pointed out, that law was written before there was an understanding of germs as the cause of disease. Uh, 1849 was uh, some, uh, what, 70 years before women had the vote in the United States. And uh, so that law right now is the standing law on the books. And it's it's been described as the most uh, regressive law in the country in terms of uh, the possibility of, uh, of a woman obtaining a safe and legal abortion. And so that's something that will be challenged in the state Supreme Court and will be voted on by whoever is sitting on the court after um, uh, this week. So, you know, all of these things are just crucial pieces of the uh, of the conversation, but also the issue of voter suppression, because many of the um, very, very stringent voter suppression laws that we have in Wisconsin, like a very harsh voter ID law, like the elimination of drop boxes, like the fact that, um, you cannot put into the mailbox a ballot for anyone other than yourself. Those are all things that were uh, affirmed in some way by the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. So uh, it cannot be understated how important this election is. And we're expecting, you know, a very good turnout in the voting tomorrow. Um, but there's also been an awful lot of money spent on uh advertising and persuading in this election. It's right now um, the highest 
ever spent on a Supreme Court, state Supreme Court race prior to this one uh, was $15 million spent in Illinois a number of years ago. This race has now probably topped $45 million, according to uh, uh, analysis by Politico, so, uh, or excuse me, by wispolitics.com. So um, I think that, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of dark money coming in to influence voters in these last days of the election. You can't turn on your television without seeing a string of ads. Um, But the most important thing, uh, as always in elections, is that person-to-person contact. Some of the kinds of work that uh, Common Ground is doing, some of the kinds of work that other people are doing to to go and talk to folks on the phone, knock on doors, and make that personal connection uh, to people to talk about the importance of this race. Fantastic. There is a group in Wisconsin. We had them on a couple of weeks ago, Souls to the Polls. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are a couple of other groups um, uh, out there. And um, but, but Andrea's for people, most of the people on this call are from out of state. And uh, I did this in Georgia 22. I, I, I linked into Andrea's website. I probably made about 20 calls. Uh, 18 of which went to voicemail, which is fine. Um, you know, it's like a postcard or uh, any other communication. Uh, and I, I think I mentioned I did get I, one of the two people I got live was trying to run a daycare and kept yelling at people to stop, kept yelling at these kids to get down and stop hitting each other. <laughs> that was really fun. But uh, uh, at any rate, it's definitely worth doing. And um, uh, here's the souls to the polls. Um, and um, thank you, Steve. And, um, you know, let's do it. Uh, Tom, thank you, um, uh, Norm. And uh, Tom Nelson, you are somewhere in Wisconsin. Do you want to give us a, a heads up on what's going on? I got to unmute you here. Should have unmuted you before. My fault. Go ahead. Tom, by the way, was uh, one of the candidates uh, running against Ron Johnson in the um, uh, Senate race uh, in uh, 2020. So uh, uh, kudos to him for taking on that challenge as well. Okay, Tom, go ahead, please. Right. Well, first of all, it is a great honor, honor not to digress too much. The founder of the No Nukes concert, one of the greatest concerts in modern day history. So what an honor. Okay, I was, just, so up- I was just one of many, but thank you. Thank that you. Was, that was great. So okay. um, I'm up here in Northeast Wisconsin in the Fox Valley. I'm currently the Outagamie County Executive, which is Greater Appleton area. And this is considered to be the breadbasket of independent, persuadable votes. And so this is a county, um, I'm actually up, up for re-election tomorrow. This is a county that if you get about 45 or 46%, a statewide candidate is going to win. Now, the Supreme Court candidates going back about 10 years, the progressives, the liberals have have either won this county or have been very competitive. And that's important because we are easily up here the most organized and better organized between the Democrats and Republicans. I mean, the Republican Party here in Adegany County is a shell of its former self. And so we've got that going for us. Um, but. But I think what you see up here, and I just want to make, make, make a point about this to, to a broader issue, Norm spoke about everything that is at stake here. And winning this, uh, winning this seat in the Supreme Court is like hitting the, the trifecta. It's like winning the legislature and the governor like that. And it's even more significant because if you go back through COVID especially, um, a lot of the legislating that took pl- place was done in the Supreme Court. So during COVID, the Republican legislature spent more days in court suing the governor, suing the Democratic governor than actually legislating. So all we have to do is come up with with a few test cases. And just like that, it's going to be the equivalent of passing a bill and having the governor sign. it. So you can see how this is going to begin with ballot access, making sure that we are protecting folks right, um, right to vote going on to the 1849 law. And then hopefully this would be the coup de grace and this would completely eliminate and take down Scott Walker's legacy is to find unconstitutional act 10, which is where it all began. And it would be just 
you know, the birthplace of progressivism. And Norm can talk about this and Andrew can talk about this. What's so exciting about this is that there's really never been a race where you can really see crystal clear, not just the kind of agenda that you would have implemented or attempted, but you can see very clearly, here are the concrete issues and here are the concrete likely outcomes, a woman's right to choose, perhaps labor rights, ballot access. And we know that's gonna be down to benefit, not just here in Wisconsin, but to everyone in 2024, because this is the battleground state in the country. And of course, here in the Fox Valley, the breadbasket, independent voters, persuadable voters, this is the battleground area of the battleground state. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for that. And I remember in 2016, there were serious questions when Trump carried uh, Wisconsin, uh, that those of us with a history in election protection, it was really a fishy election in 2016. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not convinced that uh, Trump was the legitimate winner in 2016. Yeah. And a lot of the uh, dirty business uh, will be uh, up to the Supreme Court going into 24. So mm -hmm. thank you for that. Anybody wants to ask questions, uh, go ahead and raise your hand, please. Uh, Danette asked, is it safe, um, uh, Andrea, to, if Judge Janet wins, does that bode well for 24? And Norm and Tom will let you ask answer after Andrea. Anybody, again, anybody has anything to raise about Wisconsin, please raise your hand. Go ahead, Andrea. Uh, yes, I believe it bodes very, very well for the rest of the country. It gives progressives a boost. It will give us a boost here in Virginia. Remember the Virginia, our entire state legislature will be up for um, election, re-election this November. So it does nothing but help because it puts wind back in people's sails. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Norm and then uh, uh, Tom. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that one of the things to realize that is that even though we have this um, partisan gerrymandering in place here in Wisconsin and have had since 2011, the um, the fact is, in statewide races, we have seen Democrats consistently win. Uh, governor, lieutenant governor, state treasurer, attorney general, secretary of state. And so, you know, the, the balance is pretty clear. Wisconsin may be a divided state, but it's a divided state that favors progressive values. And that's been true historically. I mean, even though we have had, uh, you know, our Joe McCarthy's, we have also had our fighting Bob LaFollette's. And um, the thing about this Supreme Court race is that will it will affect 2024 in three very significant ways. As I mentioned before, there's going to be challenges to the gerrymandering that are going to come before the court. There's no question about that. There's going to be the potential in 2024 of challenges to the election, which would also go before the court. And so you you want to have uh, you know uh, decent people making those decisions. Um, and I think that the idea of it being you know inspiring to see a uh, a change like this to see a progressive um, beat a uh, an arch conservative. And there's no question that Daniel Kelly is an arch conservative if you look at everything he has written and said and done in his life. Although during this campaign, he's been taking the um, the position that, you know, as a Supreme Court justice, he would not let his personal views influence his relationship <laughs> to the law. Well, but, at least he's got a sense of humor. <laughs> but I mean, I think that he has he has the same sort of originalist interpretation of the Constitution in the state of Wisconsin as our Supreme as many of our Supreme Court justices at the uh, federal level have on the U.S. Constitution. And that is uh, this notion that whatever they said um, in uh, 1848 is is still true uh, today. And so I think that, um, you know, that alone gives you a, uh, 
a window into how he would vote. But I think that if you look at his past statements and his past associations, I think that you have a pretty clear idea of how he would vote as well. Uh, Janet Protasewicz, who is running um, on the progressive side of the ticket, is very clear about what her personal views are. And she also says she would decide cases fairly as they came before her on the court. And so I think that, in a sense, both she and uh, Kelly are saying that they would decide cases based on their merits. And I don't think that, uh, you know, his attacks on her for saying what she believes in uh, are any more um, valid than uh, than the fact that he doesn't say what he believes in, even though he acts on it over and over again. Well, here's a quick question. I'll get to you in a minute, Tom. Um, if, if Judge Janet wins and the court, uh, the state court overturns the gerrymandered maps, Will that happen quick enough to affect the 24 election? Yes, in fact, um, it could happen as soon as like August. I mean, it's it could happen very quickly. Uh, the, ca the case would come before the courts. If they throw out the maps, it would go back to a uh, some sort of uh, mapping plan, which is yet to be determined. But last time, we had two sets of maps, one prepared by the Republican state legislature and one prepared by an independent mapping con commission created by the, by the governor. And they each presented their maps and the court ruled what they called a least change option. The Supreme Court ruled that they wanted to keep the maps as close to the, to the bad maps that they already had as could be done. And so it ended up falling into the hands of the uh, Republican legislature, and they presented these maps that are even worse than the 2011 maps. So um, I think that, um, you know, that decision is one that would happen very quickly and would definitely be in place prior to the uh, 2024 election. Well, I think, especially at the progressive, you need to look at what happened in Ohio. We and Steve Caruso can testify to this from um, uh, the Columbus area. Uh, the Supreme Court of Ohio, uh, well, there were two referenda in Ohio where the public voted very strongly against gerrymandering. The, it all came to the uh, Ohio Supreme Court, which had a Republican majority, and the Republican chief justice threw out the bad maps and said, you have to draw better maps to the legislature, but the legislature is completely uh, gerrymandered, <laughs> totally dominated by the Republicans, like Wisconsin, and they refused to draw new maps. So uh, if, if she wins tomorrow, and you believe you're gonna sail in to a new era of safe maps in, in Wisconsin, you need to look at what they did in Ohio. It's absolutely shocking. I mean, the, the legislature basically told both the public and the Ohio Supreme Court to take a hike and put in their own maps. So please look at very closely uh, uh, what happened in Ohio if she wins. Well, and of course, each state has different rules about how uh, the maps are created. And uh, some of our neighboring states have years ago have adopted independent uh, nonpartisan mapping uh, commissions as a way of doing things. And uh, right. we don't we don't currently have that in place here in Wisconsin. Well, just for the record, by the way, we have 50 people on the call. And uh, I do want to mention we're not meeting next week. Next week is Easter Monday. Uh, and Passover both. So Jesus will be rising and the bread will not be. Um, but uh, uh, we, we, so we will not, we'll meet in two weeks. Uh, that'll be uh, April 17th. <laughs> somebody, somebody hadn't heard that before. It's okay. great. I'm a pastor's kid, so I really appreciate that. That is brilliant. Oh, I'm not sure if okay. that's original, but that's really good. Yeah, it's been around a while. Anyway, um, uh, so um the gerrymandered situation in Ohio is really crucial to look at. Uh, and the, the standard, by the way, uh, has become, and I love to mention this because uh, my favorite Republican was largely responsible for two referenda in, in 2008 and 2010. California voted overwhelmingly for a state a districting, nonpartisan state districting decision to do the legislature and the congressional districts. 
And it passed largely because it was backed by Arnold Schwarzenegger, who put $3 million of his own money in. And I, I've, I've mentioned this before, but one of the reasons that Michigan also got a nonpartisan commission is because Arnold had a, an affair with his housekeeper and they had a son and he went to the University of Michigan and he brought his father in to help with redistricting. So maybe if you had another kid that went to Wisconsin, you guys would be in better shape. <laughs> anyway, Tom, did you want to, can I call on you, Tom? Did you want to say something? Go ahead. Tom Nelson. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, Norman and uh, um, Andrew have been really good on this. And I think just to clarify, Norman made a point about how each state has its own uh, background, its own process. And I think what's important here is that two or three years ago, the Republican legislature uh, passed a resolution, I think it was a joint resolution, that would guide any type of disagreement on the maps through, through the Wisconsin court system going to the state Supreme Court. So the path is pretty much clear. And so I think that we are closer uh, to having a, a just answer, a just resolution to this issue that I think most folks perhaps in the state and around the country actually realize. But I wanna make just one quick point, um, good news and bad news. The bad news is Wisconsin might lose its designation as the battleground state in the country. The good news is, is we are on the cusp of, if you do the map, we went from like about a plus two or a plus three democratic state to like plus 0.5 or just down the middle. Well, there's a really good argument that what made that difference, that put it slightly in the Republican co column, has been all of voter suppression. That has been all of the ballot access issues. And so if Janet wins and you start changing these rules, if you start changing these precedents, I believe, I hope, and I predict that 2024 and 2026 and on and on, you're going to see Wisconsin move from the expectation of a purple state to maybe a, you know, more of a shade of blue. And so I cannot stress, I mean, this is an April election, this is a spring election, but the ramifications for this state, for the country, for the future of the progressive movement could not be more dependent on one political event. So again, really well, let me, let me ask you very quickly, uh, um, the procedure for redrawing maps, if, the, if, if she wins and the maps go to the Supreme Court, what happened in Ohio was the legislature pulled all sorts of dirty tricks to, to kill the new maps. As has happened in Florida with uh, you know, the uh, El Jefe uh, uh, DeSantis there, he, he single-handedly uh, put in his own maps, which he sat there and drew himself. So, uh, you know, I don't know what the procedure is in Wisconsin, but we'll certainly be following it closely. And you may at the progressive uh, uh, norm, take a look at what's happened in, in Ohio. And uh, somebody should do a, you know, an overview of, of redistricting overall in light of what happens in this race. And uh, if you read what happened in, in Ohio, uh, it, it just makes you want to throw stuff. I mean, it's there. Their, their bald-faced uh, election uh, uh, mongering is just hard to imagine, but, you know, it happened. So, anyway, forewarned is forearmed. Yeah. Well, uh, in, in Wisconsin, the, um, when the Republicans had control of the uh, state Supreme Court, they, uh, they put their eggs in that basket because, uh, because they thought that yes. uh, that, that yes. was better than uh, letting yes. uh, the governor or independent commissions get at it. And now they may, they may uh, reap the uh, results yeah. of that. Yeah. I mean, Norm is right. I mean, this is, we are playing on their terms. This is the process that the Wisconsin Republicans created. This is not us going in inventing something from whole cloth. They have paved the road. They have put up, you know, the signposts, everything. It's just a matter of us taking control. And I don't think 10 years ago that they were going to predict that we were going to win one, two, and hopefully three out of four very competitive Supreme Court races. And there was a lot of reason to discount that because, you know, you've got the turnout, the electorate in the spring is a lot more conservative. 
And, um, and I, you know, you, you know, I think in this case, we really caught them. I think we caught them off guard. And I think the combination of the success we had in 2020, 2022, the success we have, in my humble opinion, that we are blessed to have Ben Wickler, who is, I would say, one of the best state party chairs in the country. And I know that, you know, what he's been doing now is so much different than what we've had in the past. I think that has a big deal to do with the success we've had so far. Let me call on Justin. I've got to go let my daughter in the house, but Justin, go ahead, please. Get you unmuted. I'll be right back. Steve, can you unmute Justin? So the day after Palm Sunday, I've got some fronds behind my head right now, but uh, wanted to uh, carry on the continuation of uh, how we win elections. And I think there's a lot done for get out the vote. There's not necessarily a lot done to follow up on measuring the voter suppression that did happen. You know, we talk about it, pe people uh, forwarding it, people bragging about it, but we actually need to quantify it. And so uh, someone has come on this call previously, he's not here today, but Daniel Wolf of americacounts.us has developed both actual vote for us to check up on the polls, uh, the poll tapes, the results from precincts to cross check whether those are accurate, as well as uh, to actually talk to voters on a better than exit poll to get demographic information to see who was actually represented and not represented in the votes. So we can actually uh, truly uh, get to the bottom of the malfeasance that's happening, not just uh, not just the top line, but also the bottom line. So uh, yeah, uh, Stephen put the uh, website in the uh, screen share. I'm gonna put the link in the chat, uh, but Andrea, uh, if you've got some folks who are on the ground uh, or know anybody who is, uh, please tell them to use actual vote and want to vote. Thank you. Logo, you're not, you're muted. Uh, anyone else who wants to talk about Wisconsin, uh, get, your, uh, get your hand up and uh, we'll do that. Uh, and before we move on, we're going to talk to Bryn. Tannehill about uh, uh, some trans issues, and then David Saltman is going to reveal uh, who will be the Democratic nominee in, in 24. I'm sure you're all on pins and needles about that. Uh, Andrea, go ahead, please. Oh, I was just typing in the chat. We work with Emily over at Scrutineers. We don't have anyone on the ground and was, well, we do have one person, our IT director is there, but our on the ground people are in the Southeast where there are large black and brown populations. So that's normally where we work. So yes, we do the work before people vote while they're voting and then we come back and do the after the vote, yes. You muted, Harvey. Centerforcommonground.org. My kids are around the house here. Centerforcommonground.org. Um, uh, Norm at uh, progressive.org. You want to throw in there? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, uh, you know, people should uh, keep an eye on this race and how it turns out. And uh, we, uh, we really applaud all the work of all the groups that are doing this kind of on-the-ground organizing because there's no question that... Uh, face-to-face -face conversations with people uh, far outstrips television advertising in terms of uh, not only convincing voters about issues and also learning about issues from voters, which is equally important, um, but also, uh, you know, it's much more effective in getting people out to the polls than uh, battering them with uh, TV ads between their uh, favorite other distractions. Right. And I must say that I, I'm sure many of you, I, I got, I was outraged, actually. The Democratic Party never ceases to amaze me. I've gotten at least five emails raising money for the Democratic Party for U.S. Senate in 2024 with no mention of the, uh, of the, of the Supreme Court race. I mean, it's outrageous. I, I did get one, which I also found outrageous from Cory Booker talking about the state Supreme Court race in Wisconsin. He's from New Jersey and asking to split 
the donation <laughs> between Judge Janet and him. I mean, come on, man. You know, you got this race coming up tomorrow and you're going to run again in next fall and you want to split. Come, I mean, okay, don't get me going. So, okay, well, listen, we will reconvene in two weeks. Uh, we're going to go through the end today, of course, but we'll, and we'll have results to talk about in Wisconsin. And by then you, you guys will have researched all the other gerrymandering fights. I mean, it's outrageous. Wisconsin, like Ohio, is 50, more or less 50-50. They're claiming now Ohio is 54-46 Republican, but that's after the discount for suppressed votes in, in Cuyahoga, Franklin, and Hamilton counties. So, you know, um, and, and yet the Wisconsin legislature, um, like Ohio's, is a supermajority Republican. And they are not shy. <laughs> These guys, they don't care. You know, they're going to vote whatever uh, they, they think they want to vote. So uh, let's let's watch this closely. Any last words from the three? Of you? Andrea, I will be going to Center for Common Ground. Uh, 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 and uh, I, I had a good time doing it for uh, Georgia and we won. So uh, let's do it. I'm leading the phone bank tomorrow afternoon. So if you're available tomorrow afternoon at noon Eastern. I'm going to be leading that phone bank. Okay, very good. Norm, good to see you. Uh, Thank Tom, you very much. Thanks for checking in from Wisconsin. Jeffrey, we'll get to you later, if that's okay, please. I know these guys got to go and, and we got to get moving on. So again, everybody, we will not meet next week. Uh, hopefully, week after, we'll be having a repeat discussion about Wisconsin and charting out the future of new new maps in Wisconsin. So thank you, all three of you. We'll see, you. You, we'll see you in a couple of weeks and good luck tomorrow. Um, okay, uh, we are, we're going to talk now with Bryn. Uh, Tannehill was with us last week as well on trans issues. And then we can go to the great journalist, Dave Saltman, who has a report on who is, uh, if, if, Joe, if it's not Joe Biden, who is the likeliest nominee for the Democratic Party uh, in 24, I'm sure you're all on pins and needles. Uh, but Bryn, um, uh, I understand there's a new twist in gun control in America. Do you want to talk to us about it? Oh, hold on, you're still muted, sorry. Go ahead. Hey, thanks for having me on again. Uh, so the latest is that uh, Republicans have decided that gun control isn't bad if it's applied to trans people. Uh, we've heard uh, Tucker Carlson and some other Republicans, in, even before the shooting in Nashville, were proclaiming that maybe we should take guns away from trans people because they're all sickos and mentally ill. Uh, these calls got louder after Nashville. Uh, there was some legislation being introduced, which was withdrawn. Uh, they've decided that it's kind of difficult to say guns are the problem, guns are not the problem. Uh, but we're going to be paying attention to the legislative landscape next year uh, and see if this stuff gets revived. But the fact that you had Republicans talking about banning people from having guns, uh, that's an interesting step considering the precedent set in Germany in the 30s where Jews had their guns taken away and everybody else had more ready access to guns. Uh, which brings me to my PowerPoint presentation today which looks at the legislative and legal summary for trans people in the US and what's motivating it, if I may. Logo, you're muted. Okay, five minutes will be great, Brent, can you do that? Uh, it's pushing it, pushing it hard, okay. Right, we'll go, so, you can do 10, 10 will be all right, but go ahead. All right. So this is a quick list of the types of bans. Uh, what's going on right here is there is a concerted effort to le use the legal and legislative system to push transgender people out of society, uh, marginalizing and minimizing their presence to the point where they simply disappear. Uh, there's, this is outdated. Uh, we are blowing through 500 at the moment. Uh, this is a heat map. Texas is the worst, but uh, Tennessee and Kentucky uh, are falling close behind. Uh, this is a map of where the, risk, where the risks are. Deeper blue is better. The only states with comprehensive protections for trans people at the moment, though, uh, are California and Massachusetts, which include non-extradition. That's important. Why? 
because red states are starting to do things that would make it such that uh, people who kidnap trans children and haul them back to a red state uh, cannot be prosecuted, uh, or that they're making it illegal for people to flee to blue states to get abortions or to flee persecution in red states as a trans person. Uh, we're seeing medical care bans across the entire United States. Most of them are focused on trans youth. However, a lot of these bans are including things that make it impossible for insurance providers or doctors to provide care to trans adults, even if it isn't really a ban, by manipulating liability law um, or uh, stating that insurers, if they provide health care to trans people in other states, uh, can't do business with the state. That would be Tennessee. Uh, what we're going to see is, is either insurance companies are going to fold or we're going to see a bifurcation of the insurance market uh, in the United States where... Uh, Bryn, did I hear you right? Are you saying that in other states, insurance companies are being banned from cover, covering people if, uh, in, in a state like Tennessee where... Yes. Where they so the gist of the law is that Tennessee... Uh, provides health care through Medicare, Medicaid, uh, ten, 10 care. Uh, there's a name for their own um, their own health insurance and for health uh, health insurance policies for state employees and for contractors of the state. Um, it, the law that Tennessee has passed says that if a company like Blue Cross Blue Shield provides health care for trans people in another state, they cannot contract with the government of Tennessee. Oh my God! Does everybody get that? I mean, that's complete psychosis. I mean, that is really whacked out. Then um, they're all. Oklahoma has passed a law prohibiting any medical or professional or business that takes state or federal funds from providing transition-related health care. That means uh, essentially no doctors in Oklahoma will take on trans patients, adult or youth. So. Um, the, the ultimate goal is to ban health is to functionally eliminate transition related health care for trans people and eliminate coverage for trans people in blue states as well as uh, things like Blue Cross and Blue Shield, Anthem, Kaiser, all drop coverage of trans people in blue states so that they have access to red state markets. Uh, this is going to be real interesting when the state of California says, yeah, OK, fine. You could do that, but you get to don't, don't get to do business here, which is going to lead to a bifurcation of the insurance markets. Drag bans. Uh, these are the places where drag bans are uh, in the works. Um, this, gets into, this gets into some First Amendment issues. The uh, law in Tennessee that passed is on hold at the moment. Um, these are don't say gay and forced outing of LGBT students. Uh, basically, if there's also some other laws that are coming into place that prohibit teachers from using a student's preferred name and or pronouns, even if these students are supported by their parents. Florida's got that one going through. Wait, um, this, you have, is, is this an effect in New Jersey? This is proposed in New Jersey. It doesn't, it, these are just places where it's been proposed. Okay. Um, but any place that, any place that's on the high risk map, right? Anything that's in red, or in dark red or red here, it's probably gonna get passed. Okay, there's 453 bills, I'm sorry, uh, close to 500 now, right? So everything south of the Mason-Dixon line plus West Virginia, Kentucky, Missouri, Iowa, Montana, North Dakota, uh, they're all probably gonna end up with uh, forced outing laws. Uh, Virginia, well, New Hampshire, you tell, New Jersey, What is exactly, what is a forced outing law? Uh, it essentially makes mandatory reporters of anyone, of teachers, doctors, counselors, um, that if a student, they find out a student is LGBT, they have to report it to the parents, even if those parents are going to take them out on field and shoot them. You mean a, a, a student who is, who is gay in a school, the teacher has to report that student as being gay? Yes. My God. Even if that means... So the, either the, your school counselor, if they find out a student's gay and the kids, kids like, my mom and dad will take me out in a field and they will fucking shoot me and Bryn? leave the body in a shallow unmarked grave. The counselor's like, I'm sorry, I can't, I'm going to lose my license and I'm going to, I'm going to, I could go to jail. So sorry, real, feel real bad, but uh, professional Bryn? licenses, criminal Bryn? charges, bad. 
real quick, Bryn, if one of the parents is supportive and the other one is kind of estranged from the child, do they report to the estranged parent as well, the hostile parent? Yep. Any custodial parent. That is absolutely. Which most, 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 uh, most custody agreements in the United States today are joint. So uh, this is, uh, the goal is to make sure that children never come out because it's just too damn dangerous. Uh, so, so the blue, blue states are places where it's already illegal for trans kids to play sports uh, at, at K through college. Red is where it, there's legislation coming through. Uh, Georgia actually, Georgia has implemented, is, should be turned to red. This is a little bit old. Um, now keep in mind, these sports bans, they're banning third graders, right? From playing sports on the boys team, even though there's no testosterone involved and the prize is a plastic trophy, participation trophy at the end, banned, right? Um, just again, are you, are you saying that girls can't play in boys' leagues and vice versa? Yep. In most of these states, in all of these states, it bans trans girls, i.e. someone who is assigned male at birth. Um, most of these laws, um, it applies the other way, um, that it bans trans men as well. But there are some that it, where it only applies to trans girls. Um, so, again, bathroom bans. Uh, this... This map is a little out of date. I made it one month ago and I would probably have to add about another 10 states to this, um, including Mississippi, Alabama, South Carolina, Tennessee, uh, Missouri, Oklahoma, uh, all uh, South Dakota and Montana have all added um, bathroom bans to their legislative agenda, which bans trans students from going in bathrooms uh, Arkansas has the nastiest, uh, Arkansas and Florida have the two nastiest ones, one of which uh, the Arkansas law, um, which has been amended, uh, would have put any trans person who was using a bathroom. So if you're a trans person, you've done your business, you're washing your hands at the sink and a minor walks in, boom, instant felony, and you're on the sex offender list. Oh my God. Okay. okay. Which the goal, trans people never use a bathroom again in public. Right. Most of these bans are on schools, uh, state facilities, universities. Right. So anything that's a, that's a state state controlled bathroom. Um, derecognition. This is essentially uh, there is no such thing as trans people. There are no gender marker changes. There will be no recognition of transgender identities or of trans people having any protection under the law. This is essentially uh, a Nuremberg law uh, that basically tries to set trans people back under the law to something under rational basis scrutiny because you can't have a court case for rational basis scrutiny for a group of people who don't exist, right? Um, which is pretty close to the legal effect of the Nuremberg citizenship laws. Um, yeah. Okay. All this right. Bad. Wait, uh, these are some, these, this is more laws that are in, in play. Um, this is at the federal level, right? Uh, these are some legal cases that are going on. This is just what's in the courts right now. Um, and it's bad. Uh, some quotes here. The, the number one thing I want people to take away from this is the goal, end state goal, is to set the, that there is a, the right believes they have a moral imperative to minimize the number of transgender people via government action. And the ideal number of transgender people is zero. How do you get there? You get there by making trans people um, detransition, flee to blue states, uh, or never come out of the closet, or you imprison them, right? Uh, by having by setting up laws such that they commit a felonies merely by walking out of their house dressed as themselves or using a bathroom. Um, this essentially, uh, you end up with the, their goal is to end up looking like Iran with gay people that they can say no, there's no trans people in in the United States. There's, you don't see any trans people, do you? We don't recognize them. They don't, nobody here is going to say they're trans. Um, you know, and this was, sorry, that's for my employer. But essentially where we are at is we are somewhere at the beginning of stage seven of genocide. 
And the the worst part is, is there's nothing we can do to stop it at the moment in most of the red states that are enacting these laws. It is effectively a lost cause. And my recommendation to most trans people in those states or parents of trans youth is to get out. It doesn't matter what it costs. When I brought this up with my wife and some people, well, that's not fair. I said, well, you know, what about what about their livelihoods? What about their families? What about everything else? And the answer is, you know, um, you know, Harriet Tubman uh, didn't leave with very much coming out of the South either. Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what we needed when the sun shone down on the Garden of Eden. 